Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Now, Northlanders, I ask you for common sense here. What would you rather have? Legislation that is well thought out, well um, debated, well uh, researched, or would you rather have a fast, get it run through, bring it to the governor's desk and get it signed right away? Yeah, how about crazy uh, knee-jerk reaction laws? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Knee-jerk reactionary type stuff. I got a question for well, you. Yeah. Go ahead. You're talking about this bill in Minnesota, uh, John Marty, and the strict gun control. Yes. Brad, it's in Florida. Constitutional carry closer to becoming law in Florida. Very close. State lawmakers are debating legislation that would allow Floridians to carry a concealed weapon without a license. Republican Representative Chuck Brannon sponsors the measure and says the U.S. and Florida's constitutions grant people the right to bear arms what's different in minnesota <laughs> different legislator different uh, governor okay but again <laughs> yeah. we have a we have a, a federal constitution that protects right. that right well see the difference is is that in florida we do have a state constitution that guarantees that as well as the federal one minnesota we don't we just simply have the federal constitution, and that's what everybody falls back on. But uh, but Florida, their state constitution also gives them the right Again, to— Again, uh, I, I would like to get John Marty on or somebody who supports this. Why? What is Boy, this going— that. What is this yeah. going to uh, possibly prevent? I think they're, this is a prevention measure, measure on their part. Well, I believe. that's, I think, what they're, what they're trying to make it, and, and that's what we need to ask John Marty is, how do you think this is going to prevent future gun violence in the state of Minnesota? I liken this to a rainstorm where the rain falls on areas that need it and don't need it. <laughs> and don't but need how it, do yeah. you distinguish? Well, see, and that's right, because that, that's what I meant by this, uh, you know... Um, you know, and a lot of this gun legislation, people like Marty, people like that, they they support uh, Joe Biden. They support the presidency. And this was a man who left 300,000 guns for the Taliban. And he's lecturing us on gun control. Well, let, let me go on because uh, there's a couple of other things here you need to know about this morning. First of all, remember, if you live in the state of Wisconsin, please take the opportunity to get out and vote for your state Supreme Court justice today. Um, that is very, very important uh, because it will last for years and years and years, and it will affect uh, your liberties or your rights in that state. What, what would you think if I told you, well, you know this, uh, this is not anything that's new really, except for the fact that it is becoming more and more where you have these immigration rights groups that are pushing and pushing and pushing things like this one today. Uh, NBC News reported on Monday that immigration advocacy groups, that's, that's groups that believe that we should have an open border that what Joe Biden is doing is just great. Don't close off the border. Don't uh, don't make any requirements for legal, uh, uh, you know, uh, people coming into this country. Um, just let them come willy-nilly and we'll take care of them once they get here. 
while these immigration advocacy groups are threatening to sue the Biden administration over its anticipated plans to change U.S. asylum policy, which which is expected to be announced in the coming weeks, according to NBC News. Uh, They reported that on Monday. And if adopted, see, Biden has finally kind of gotten the message, I think, and he's finally realized that you just can't have open, willy-nilly immigration. If adopted, these new rules would prohibit immigrants from seeking asylum in the United States if they did not initially attempt to apply for it from the country that they are coming from. In other words, if you're coming from Honduras, you have to have legally tried to uh, get asylum into our country or to receive uh, a right or a, a privilege to become here and uh, seek citizenship. Uh, and you have to seek that in your country of Honduras, if that's where you're coming from. If you don't do that, if you just wander out of your home country, uh, march yourself up the uh, southern corridor and uh, march across Mexico and show up at the Rio Grande and uh, either swim, walk, wade, do whatever across the Rio Grande and then should be stopped someplace later, you're going to be sent back to Honduras under the uh, changes that are going that are coming down the pike. Well, guess what? Immigration groups don't like that. Immigration advocacy groups don't like that. And usually these advocacy groups are made up of people that have broken the law, snuck into this country. They got here. Now they're listed somehow as uh, as uh, either a permit holder or uh, or a legal, you know, they've filed for legalization. And uh, so they want everybody to be able to get that. So now they're finding out that Biden is going to change the rules where you have to apply through the company country you are leaving first. And then if you don't get response, then you if you come here and show up at our door, you can at least be tracked back to your home country and that you applied for legal citizenship to leave your country and come here. Well, the director of litigation at the National Immigrant Justice Center, Karen Zwisch, said that her organization and her partner groups will fight the expected changes in court, saying that the new rule, which comes as President Biden has faced unrelenting GOP criticism over his handling of the southern border, would not survive a legal challenge if it was enacted. Now, how does she know that? And isn't it interesting I find it interesting anyway, maybe nobody else does, but I find it interesting that people that break our laws on how they get into our country, people that come here illegally, break the laws, come to this country, they now feel that somehow they have a legal right to sue us to stay here. I I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that finds that interesting. Anyway, we got a caller on the line, James from uh, Duluth, uh, James Good afternoon. How are you doing? Hey, Brad. I was um, I'm coming back from Florida. I was down there for like ten days. <laughs> oh, lucky you! <laughs> uh, I, it's it's nice down there, and I'm gonna go back yes. to the snowstorm. I, it's crazy. <laughs> hey, I wanted to chime in. Um, my daughter goes to college in uh, West Palm Beach, Palm Beach area. 
Oh yeah, sure. And and um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's billions of dollars down there because from all over the world. And uh, number forty five lives down there. <laughs> and crazy is DeSantis was what uh, Governor DeSantis was in town at my daughter's school the other day, and I okay. ran into a lady by accident that. Um, knows DeSantis's number one funding private party. Uh, she's on the she's in the top fifteen of the Forbes five hundred. And yeah, I, she's worth billions. You're hanging, this lady. You're hanging with and the rich and elite. I didn't know this, but the thing is, I spent like three hours talking, and what I'm hearing, I mean, I can't tell her the name, her name, but. She said that um, she, they don't want DeSantis to run for 2024, um, maybe for beyond that, but not for 2024 unless something comes up. But I just wanted to share that because, um, you know, DeSantis is doing a great job down there. You, We know that. He's doing a fabulous job. Yeah. But this lady yeah, is. knows, uh, is, does millions of dollars of stuff for him private you know all money and you know they sure. got one of these you know 500 million dollar places on the ocean when it whatever blah blah blah. that's enough i can say but um they uh well, james they don't james my question stuff. is why did she say that she didn't want him to run in this next cycle two years from now does she just think that he could do more for the state of florida in the next few years well it's kind of crazy because what I what I'm hearing is that Florida's going to turn blue, especially uh, Palm Beach County, where where um, this lady lives. You know, that's where you know Donald lives, Trump. Uh, you know, and a lot of money people. But they're saying that uh, what I got just was is that it's going to turn blue, but uh, eventually because it flipped red this last you know deal. But yeah. uh, they're saying that it's going to. Um, going to flip blue again just because everybody's all these uh, billion multi-billion dollar firms from new york are moving down in that area and they're bringing that mentality kind of like you know california to arizona and in the texas and everything else uh sure so that's what i'm i think i'm getting from it you know what i mean well, I don't, I don't think, I'm not going to argue with you, James, but I don't think that's going to happen because I just read a piece down here in uh, one of the local publications that not only has Florida turned red, but they have turned hard red. I mean, they have just in the last two years alone have had over 300,000 more Republicans register than there were Democrats. So it's going to if if they if they somehow now I will tell you this, there are some areas in Florida down around Miami and some of those areas that are very much blue that have a lot of liberals living in it. But state wise, I just don't see it happening. Uh, The area that we are here in Hernando County is massively red. (laughs) You know, the. There's a a lot of Republicans up here. And in fact, I happened to find the Democratic headquarters office the other day. It's a little one room building in a little shopping center uh, that's pretty run down. And that's their Hernando County office. 
and it's a it's it's a disaster. It it, it looks like uh, it's run by two old old men that kind of come and go. So I don't see that happening, at least not statewide. You could see it in some areas where there are large subs. But most of the people that are moving down here, they're leaving areas that are very blue because they don't like the taxation. They don't like the government that's there. And they're turning, coming here because they want the freedoms and the openness. Anyway, we got to go to break. We're running behind here. Thanks, Jims, for the call. Welcome back to the coldness of northern Minnesota. We'll be right back. KDAL time, 126. You've never heard this song before, I don't think. No, no, I don't think so. That's no, the B-side to the hit song of the band Sugarloaf, uh, Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. Uh, this, oh, so- yeah. this song here featured studio musicians at a Denver studio where the band hailed from, and this was the hit song, uh, Side A. Don't call us, oh, we'll call you. Song. Great song, yeah. That, that was my first rock concert. Was Sugarloaf, Cactus, Sugarloaf? and Badfinger at the Duluth Arena. Oh, it was awesome. You saw some good ones. You betcha. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, don't forget Northlanders as we're getting into this last hour. If you're from Wisconsin, please get out and vote today in the Wisconsin Supreme Court election. Uh, this this has been uh, brought about by the retirement of Chief Justice Pat, uh, Pat, Patrick, Patricia Ragansack, Rogansack. Uh, she leaves a 3-3 split now on the panel of conservatives and liberals. The two Republicans, or the two, uh, they're not Republicans because it's a nonpartisan race, but the two conservatives, and I'm sure they probably are Republicans, are a lady named Jennifer Doro. She was the uh, judge in the case about the guy that ran uh, through a Christmas parade, killed a bunch of people in, uh, where was that, Kenny? Was that Kenosha? Do you remember? Anyway, she, w- uh, she, uh, she was the judge that uh, oversaw that case. And then the, re- the, uh, the Republican or the conservative that everybody, including our friend from Port Wing, uh, supports is Dan Kelly. So if you're going to vote for somebody, you want to vote for a conservative. Dan Kelly is the uh, is the guy that I think is going to do uh, well as far as uh, the vote totals when it comes out tomorrow. So we'll find out how that goes down. Okay. So Kenny, did we do CBS News? No, we didn't. Well, let's do it then. Let's do that, and then we'll come back. And I want to talk a little bit more about this immigration change that uh, is coming down the pike. We'll be right back. 
KDAL time is 1.37, and there is a winter storm watch for the Twin Ports that will go into effect uh, Wednesday. And uh, don't be surprised if that changes and turns into a winter storm warning. And we may even see some blizzard warnings posted, Brad. And the big thing with this is going to be these winds. Uh, We will see winds possibly 50-mile-an-hour gust here in the Twin Ports, South Shore, so pay attention to that. Right now, we've got snow falling uh, in south of the metro, uh, Montevideo, Granite Falls, Redwood Falls, Mankato, New Ulm, St. James. So the snow is happening down there, and that area is going to be hit harder than us. Uh, they're going to oh, see yeah. a lot of snow in the metro area and portions of southern Minnesota in general. But uh, also, and This up- is not going to be just a couple of hour effect. This is going to be days where you could get a lot of snow. Well, yeah, we could. Uh, this could be a doozy. This could be a doozy, Brad. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Northlanders, uh, I, I got to tell you, I don't know how many of you have been able to see a lady that has been on. Uh, well, she's been on a couple of different TV channels. Uh, she's a young Korean girl, a, a North Korean. She escaped uh, out of North Korea. She's a she's a defector from North Korea, and her name is Yanami Park. And I saw her speak. She speaks very nice English. And the thing that I really enjoyed is she is talking uh, openly about the fact that what she sees in some of our universities here, she's very bright, and she, she's she gone to Columbia University here, Ivy League school. She said, when I, started, when I started school at Columbia University, I couldn't believe because they were saying the same things that my North Korean teachers were telling me in the North Korean classroom. And I thought, well, I got to listen to this. I got to see what she's talking about. She's a defector, as I say, from North Korea. And she said that wonk ideology has caught on in American classrooms. And it's no different than those taught in the classrooms in her home country. When I came to America, I had no idea. I thought somehow this was a free country where individuals can have different thoughts and opinions. When I started university at Columbia University... I couldn't believe because they were exactly saying the same things that my North Korean in, uh, teachers told me in North Korea. Uh, she she said she is now the author of a book, "Well Time Remains: A North Korea's Defector Search for Freedom in America," and she lays it all out uh, when she talks on television. She said. Uh, They said all the problems we have in the world is because of the greedy capitalism of Americanism and the Western civilization and and white men, Park said, who defected from North Korea in 2007. That was the exact same thing that my North Korean teachers had told me, that all of the evils in the world was because of USA and capitalism. But she said, I never would have thought... It was being taught in this country by your own higher lear- institutions of learning. She said the content of school curriculum became a hot-button uh, topic or politician, polit- political issue in 2021 as parents protested the use of critical race theory, which holds that America is fundamentally a racist society and teaches people to view every social interaction and person in terms of race rather than the quality of their own thoughts and process. 
Columbia promoted a course that allows students to critically engage with whiteness in September of 2021, months after Park called her experience at the Ivy League schools complete madness. Judicial Watch said in June that materials obtained through the Freedom of Information Act shows that my own granddaughter's school at West Point had been teaching critical race theory while the Air Force Academy hosted a seminar on transgender viability. At Columbia, professors are saying the only solution to all these problems is communist revolution. And then she went on to say, you here in this country need to dismantle the systems in the name of equality or equity. So she's saying that our own institutions are preaching as bad against uh, the United States as North Korea is. Now, you'd think this country, we would have some support from our own institutions of higher learning. But what we have found is that a lot of these institutions are loaded with professors that went to school there originally to get out of going to the Vietnam War and then stayed because it was a place of indoctrination where they could indoctrinate other people. So anyway, we've got uh, we've got a couple other things we want to get into, but we've got a caller on the line. I think uh, we had Alan on yesterday as well. Alan, uh, welcome back. Hi, Brad. Yeah, a lot is going on in the state legislature, so I just wanted to get to three main um, quick points, but it's okay. important to know. Um, one of the things is, People should uh, recognize the difference between a sheriff and a police chief. A police chief yes. is a political appointee by the mayor with council approval. But a sheriff is accountable to the people because he's elected. Right. So that's, that's important, uh, an important distinction there. And uh, the other point um, was um, if you study history, you come to understand that registration of firearms can lead later to confiscation. And once Absolutely. the government, it has in many, many countries. Yeah, exactly. If you look at all the genocides that have ever happened, they've always been preceded by first registration, then confiscation, and then when the the uh, whether it be a religious sect or or a uh, you know some some reason they have for exterminating a class of people, their own government turns on them and it becomes a genocide. So yep. the moral of that story is never register your guns. And then the last point I wanted to make was on uh, voter identification. Um, you know, the number I've worked uh, as an election judge and most of that time as a uh, registration judge for 35 different sure. elections. So I've got experience and I know what I'm talking about the, on this. The number one method of registering has been the use of a driver's license to verify your address. And if someone's willing to lie and just say, oh, yeah, I'm a citizen. Oh, yeah, I live at this address. There's nothing to stop them from getting a ballot and going to vote. So, you know, giving um, voter ID, you know, I think it's a good thing, but if they can get them illegally, then what's the point? Yeah. You know? Yeah, so you've got to have legitimate, proven voter ID. I, I Alan, I've used the uh, statement, I vote down here in Florida now because we live in Florida more than we do in Minnesota. And they have a system down here where you walk in, you show your driver's license. They already have you registered. Uh, they look you up on a computer. Then they turn the screen to you, and they say, is this you? It has the uh, system on it. 
And if it is you, you say yes, you sign on the screen. They then have you logged in so that nobody else can vote in your spot. And uh, away you go. It's very easy, but but very professional, well done. And uh, Alan's absolutely right. If you just want to lie a little bit, uh, you can get a voter, uh, you can get voting any place. You can go. I've talked to kids, college kids in Minnesota that live in Wisconsin. They voted in Minnesota, and then they go back across into Wisconsin and vote there the same day. On the, uh, So they vote twice. And they don't uh, hesitate to to mention it. Anyway, we've got a we've got a little weather update, and uh, because the weather conditions are such, and they are starting to change here in uh, northern Minnesota, I want to give you that. But make sure you understand what Alan said with uh, with this bill, where they want to change uh, things like who will issue concealed carry. You don't want the police chief doing this. You want somebody that is elected as an elected official, and that's the sheriff's office. And that's the way you want it done. That's the way it's done in Minnesota now. There's no reason to change it. Anyway, what do you got for an update there, Kenny? Well, the National Weather Service in Duluth has now issued a winter storm warning for uh, parts of southern uh, St. Louis County, Carleton County, Douglas County. They've issued a blizzard warning for Bayfield and Ashland counties, and uh, now Hayward is under the winter storm warning. So winter storm warning in effect in the uh, counties around the Twin Ports and a blizzard warning. Now we're going to get through today. Let's get through today, and then this... uh, this winter storm warning is actually going to go into effect uh, starting tomorrow, tomorrow at okay. 6 p.m. And again, we're going to see 5, 10, maybe a foot of snow here in the Twin Ports, a little bit more in Douglas County, but it's going to be the winds, too. We're going to see winds gusting as high as 40 miles an hour, and there oh, was some man. word that uh, 50 miles an hour could be some gust along the south shore. So uh, Duluth has now gotten into the uh, gotten into the fray here when it comes to winter oh, yeah. storm warnings, and they have been posted now. So again, this is going to be Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and Thursday is going to be the bulk of this storm. And remember, Northlanders, when you get winds whipping 40, 50 miles an hour, you can even have less snow, and it looks terrible because it starts blowing into every nook and cranny you got, let alone if you're getting 10, 12, 15 inches of snow. So listen, we'll be back after the Minnesota news break. KDAL time is 154, and yeah, we got weather, uh, breaking weather news at least. Uh, Twin Ports now under a winter storm warning, but don't fret. Uh, we got rest of today, tonight, and tomorrow morning, and then uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. that winter storm warning goes into effect. The rest of today, Brad, uh, there is still a 30% chance of snow after 5 o'clock, and we're going to have northwest winds and then tonight snow likely, but late after midnight tonight, late tonight, yeah. and it's going to be cold and blustering. Kenny, I have a feeling by the time we do this tomorrow, yeah. we're going to be in some deep, deep doo-doo. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, that's okay. Again, I've got the shovels ready. I've got all the provisions. And uh, we'll just roll with the uh, roll with the flow. Hey, one last thing before we run out of time today. Do you remember when we were so concerned about these uh, 94,000 or 84,000 or 80, whatever it was, number of IRS agents that Biden wanted to hire with putting all this money into the uh, IRS uh, yes. Internal Revenue Service? Well, now there's a story out this morning, Kenny, that I got off the wire services that says the Biden administration may not be looking 
to bring on a whole bunch of new human people to uh, redo or to go through your taxes. And we're going to have to talk about our friend Torlickson on Friday about this. But the uh, IRS is now indicating they may rather take that money, some of the money that is out there, and spend it on things like algorithms. What is an algorithm? They can look at your tax return and they can base it on how you filed in the past, what things you had in the past as far as deductions, what things you may have had as donations, and they can use that algorithm and use this money that they were going to spend on humans instead on machines, and the machines will analyze your uh, entire uh, IRS filings. Auditors analyze transactions and spot patterns that can indicate potential fraud. But when you use algorithms and electronic devices, they can detect things that are wrong right off the bat. Um, Oh, Sorry, sorry, I didn't see that one. I think. Uh, yeah, neither I think did I. I. We'll, we'll have a little talk here internally, but we do have uh, Chris Dahlberg on the phone. Okay, let's go. Uh, Chris, we're uh, kind of running up against the clock here, but we didn't even uh, realize you were on here this morning. Good morning. Good morning. And or I good afternoon, the, I should say. I know you're at the end of the hour, so here's a quick one. I just okay. pulled off. I pulled off the Wall Street Journal today. The in the title is the biggest mistakes people make with their will. So on the Wall Street Journal, what is the number one mistake people make with their wills? Don't do it at all. You're right on. <laughs> You're right on. Number one is procrastinating. It says, of course, thinking about death is in- uncomfortable and planning for it can be costly, but it's something you need to do. Here's the other thing, a good point they put. Last-minute preparation also raises the likelihood that a disgruntled heir could claim the will was made under duress or in a diminished capacity. Oh, so, for the, yeah. so for the listeners, haven't yeah. So for the listeners, haven't we all seen those? Haven't we all seen those, Chris? Where somebody yeah. that we thought was really level-headed and they had taken care of their will, and all of a sudden, in the last years of their life, somebody sneaks in and becomes close friends with them, and boom. Well, and the other so. thing for the listeners, it might be something you actually wanted to do, but by the fact that you know, let's say you had five kids. But two of them were always there caring for you in the last 10 years. And the other three, you'd call them. They, they lived right next door, but they wouldn't lift a finger, and they didn't even talk to you. So you, right. said, you said, I always wanted to write those three out and only have those two. So you're on your deathbed. You do a will, and conveniently only the two kids, they're gonna, that's what the other three are going to say. They got everything, and the three didn't. And then all of a sudden people are going to well, say, wait a minute. That was five days before <laughs> died. they did that. Uh-uh. Now you've got a problem. So for listeners... This is another reason. Get your estate planning done early. Call the Dahlberg Law Early. 218-722-5809. Again, contact the Dahlberg Law Office for your estate planning. And sorry Avoid about the all those problems and get it done early, Chris. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Take care. All right. Thanks, buddy. Well, folks, we have uh, shot through three hours today. We had a lot more stuff I wanted to get into, but we always got tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to get into a lot more stuff. We'll find out what happened in the Wisconsin Supreme Court election and so much more right here on Sound Off on 610 KDA. I'll have a great day. Don't shovel too much. <laughs>